This is the Purpose Church podcast where we exist to help every person live on purpose. It is our prayer that this message helps you experience God in a brand new way. All right, good morning, everybody. So glad to see you at church today. And and I I know that you guys have been traveling a lot. I follow some of you guys on Instagram. Y'all have been all over the world. Y'all have been all over the place. But God and his good graces has brought you back to the nation of Texas. So welcome back home. Glad to have you back home. Uh, It's been such an amazing summer in this series. And it's been a lot of fun learning everything we've learned and, and then what I love about the summer, too, is there's always some kind of new snack after church, right? Today, there's s'more stuff out there. You know, it's just, and, and I heard today, actually, is National Ice Cream Day. I think, I don't know if someone was lying to me or if they told me that, but if they were lying, every day should be National Ice Cream Day. So go grab some ice cream today with your family and have, have some fun with that. But today we're going to dig into the final Sunday of our road tripping series. Every summer as a church, we take a deeper dive into a specific topic or subject. And what we wanted to do this summer was take you through the same road trip that the Apostle Paul took. And so we've been following him through his four epic road trips or missionary journeys, as the back of your Bible would call it in the map section, and, and have gone and learned about the people he met, the churches he planted, the leaders he put in place, and a lot of the struggles that he went through and the lessons that are learned throughout those as well. So it's been a lot of fun digging into that. And before we jump into that, let me tell you that next week, next Sunday, is a new series about prayer. Now we're jumping into 21 Days of Prayer as a church. We do that twice a year, once in January, and that's 21 Days of Prayer and Fasting, where we fast for 21 days and pray together every day for 21 days. In August, it's 21 Days of Prayer and Feasting, all right? So you can still, you can eat this time and have some barbecue while you pray. Nothing more spiritual than that. And so we, we, we're going to have a good time with that, but we wanted to take you through a couple of Sundays of really digging into what is prayer, why are we doing this, why is it important, if God already knows everything, why am I doing this? You know, a lot of these questions that we've all asked and might not have the answers to yet, we're going to dig into that stuff starting next Sunday, okay? I think it's really, really going to help gear us up for 21 days of prayer. But today for our final installment of road tripping, we are going to follow Paul to Rome. And now you might be wondering, um, what, what is the last Sunday really going to be about? I feel like we have saved the best for last. I think that what you're going to learn today is going to carry you through some of the roughest, toughest, hardest times of your life. Paul gives us some truth today that is, is second to none in how to handle things that are coming your way. And if you're going through something pretty heavy right now or you're going through a struggle, today is the perfect day for you to have been at church we're going to follow Paul to Rome, and Paul was very, very strategic. He did nothing by accident. He was very strategic, and he always wanted to go to Rome because he knew if he could reach the leaders in Rome that the gospel would spread like wildfire from there because Rome was the center of almost everything at that point in time. So Paul actually made it to Rome. He made it to Rome, but not as a preacher. He arrived as a prisoner, not the way he saw it going. He didn't think he'd end up in Rome that way under 24-hour guard and lock and key. He's locked up, awaiting trial for months, no idea what's going to happen to him. All Paul knows is that everybody else that he knew before that made it to Rome never came back. And it wasn't because they loved Rome so much. So there's some worry there, some anxiety there. 
He was wrongfully accused, awaiting judgment. Imagine, if you can, the feelings at that moment, the discouragement, the fear. You're locked up in jail, wrongfully accused, wondering what's going to happen. And this was not in the point in time like you and I enjoy now where if you can't afford an attorney, one will be appointed for you. There were no attorneys. No one cared. If you died, no one cared. There was no one coming to help you. There was no justice. There was no bill of rights. You were left to rot in a jail or suffer death, immediate death. That's where Paul finds himself. He's in the middle of this jail cell with Silas, wondering what's going to happen. And from his jail cell in Rome, he writes a letter to the church he had already planted in Philippi. And, and I don't know about you, but really the last thing I'd be thinking about if I'm wrongfully accused and in jail is writing a helpful letter to someone else who's not in jail. That's probably the last thing I would be thinking about is helping someone else get me out of jail and then I'll go help you. No, Paul has a huge lesson to share with us today. Philippians 4, verse 4, rejoice in the Lord always, and I'm going to say it again, rejoice. Let's all read that out loud together. Ready? One, two, ready? Read. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. An amazing verse for your refrigerator. An amazing verse for a coffee mug. An amazing verse for a greeting card. An amazing verse. It's easy to quote to somebody, but it's harder to receive for yourself. I hate it when people quote this verse to me when I'm going through something difficult. It's like, hey, I'm going through something, let me tell you about it. And they're like, brother. And when someone says brother, you know what's usually about to come is a Christian cliche or something like that. Brother, rejoice in the Lord. I'll show you rejoice. I'm punching the face. I'll show you rejoice. Don't tell me this when God shuts a a door, he opens a window. That's not even in the Bible. Who said that? It's dumb. Half of us can't fit through certain tiny windows. It doesn't even make sense. And so we, we get all these things thrown at us, and they're not helpful in the moment. But what Paul's sharing with you is powerful because of where he is when he wrote it. He wasn't sitting at home in air conditioning with all of his servants and all the beautiful things and two paid-off cars out front. He was in jail, wrongfully accused, beaten, awaiting judgment. And you might be thinking, okay, rejoice in the Lord, and then it says always. He had to put the always in there. Just to make it a little more difficult, right? Rejoice in the Lord always. And then he goes, no, 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 hold on. I'm going to say it again. Rejoice. Rejoice. Now, you get a flat tire. It's 102 degrees outside. You're on the shoulder of I-35 on the downside of an overpass in vacation traffic in July in South Texas. Rejoice. You want me to rejoice? You want me to rejoice always like when a spouse lies to me? Rejoice then when, when my spouse cheats on me. Rejoice then if the doctor tells me I'm, I'm battling cancer. You want me to rejoice now? I lose a scholarship. Rejoice then. Like, I get cheated on. Rejoice then. I find out my child is experimenting with drugs. Rejoice then. I can't make rent or pay my mortgage because I just lost my job. Rejoice then. Out of that wrongfully accused place, Paul finds himself in, he writes Philippians, he writes the letter to the Philippians. Paul didn't know he was writing a book of the Bible. That came a long time later. He was simply writing letters of help and instruction to people he cared a lot about. And so let's read further in Philippians 4. Rejoice in the Lord, everyone say it out loud, 
always. Say always. Always. Y'all are saying it like you don't want to be held accountable for it later. Always. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Wow. And the peace of God, which transcends all human understanding and intellect, will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. He's in jail when he wrote this. How could Paul rejoice when he's locked up? Imagine you are put in jail because you've been wrongfully accused. You've got no attorney, no family's gonna bail you out, the judge isn't on your side, everything is looking downhill for you, even your sentencing, and then you are writing letters to people about rejoicing in their own problem. They ain't in jail. Rejoice, rejoice, really? In all time, and then peace will guard my heart and mind. How could Paul write that? And it wasn't because Paul was any different than me and you. Paul was a person who had a pretty crazy life before he met Jesus, a, a imprisoner and murderer of Christians. He has an encounter with Jesus, radically transforms his identity, and now he's laying in jail telling everybody about this Jesus. This person, it, there was nothing supernatural about it. Paul was a man who'd been wrongfully accused, thrown in jail. How could he praise when he has a dream to preach, but he goes to bed in prison? And you and I get all flustered and yell at the kids and kick the dog when we lose our phone. This guy's laying in prison, wrongfully accused. Here's the answer. How could Paul do that? The answer is it's all about perspective. Everybody say out loud, perspective. The title of today's message is The Perspective of Praise. The Perspective of Praise. I'll help it make sense to you in just a minute. Let me pray for you. Father, would you open up our hearts and minds today? Would it be your words and not mine in whatever we're going through today? The things that we've walked through in recent months, maybe even through the whole last year of all the craziness. God, would all that stuff that is still on our heart and mind, would it take a back seat today so we can truly receive truth? And may it do something in us we could have never done for ourselves. Would it transform us in Jesus' name? If you receive it, say amen. Now, what is perspective? Perspective, very simply, is how you see something. That's literally all it is. It's how you see it, how you see something. Now, if you're married, you know this is totally true. Two people can hear one thing, hear the same thing, and hear two different things. Two people can see one thing and really saw two different things. No, they said this. No, they didn't say that at all. No, they said that. That's what they meant. That's what they said. You know, there's, there's two different ways. Of, there's different perspectives on things. I think that's what's so powerful about our country. I was talking to my daughter about this the other day. I was like, even though there are varying perspectives, it, it's in a quorum to be talked about. Not everybody has that freedom. She was asking me questions about Cuba and Anne Frank and the Holocaust, and it went there. Interesting bedtime conversation. However, my 10-year-old is highly fascinated by these things, and we were talking about perspective, varying perspectives, how people see things. You can see one thing, one situation, one issue. Two people can see two different 
things. The word perceive comes from the same root word in Latin and even in the original text here in the Greek as perspective. Perceive means to look through something. To truly look through it. That's what the original word means, to look through it. So it's not just how you see it, it's to look through it. Now, I was born in the early 80s, and I'm a child of the 90s, one of the greatest decades ever, right? You know, parachute pants and saved by the bell and all kinds of things like that. Um, but, and when the cowboys were good. And so I remember all these amazing things. The boys are back in town. Don't you worry. It's going to happen. We're winning the Super Bowl this year, just so you know. Anyway, I remember these books on almost every coffee table at homes in the 90s because, you know, back then people had these big honking coffee tables with gold inlay. And that's why I have one dimple because I fell on one and it punctured my cheek. Not lying. Anyway, uh, the 90s were very dangerous to a child. So I remember all of these books being on everybody's end table and it was called The Magic Eye. Does anybody remember Magic Eye? And, and, and Magic Eye was a book full of these weird pictures that you look at it, it makes no sense, but hidden inside these pictures, if you stare at it long enough, 3D images start coming off the page at you. Now you know what I'm talking about. Look at one here. This one was super weird. Now, I didn't go to Bible college and graduate from all that to stare at these things for hours, but in research of this sermon, because I love you so much and I deeply care for you, I got way too deep into Magic Eye this week. So I was looking into Magic Eye, I was staring at pictures. I was at Starbucks in Cibolo and I had my MacBook open and I had earphones in. So you know when people have earphones in, they don't realize how loud they are to everybody else. Um, so I had, I had earphones in, I had my MacBook open as far as it would open, and I was putting my MacBook up against my face because the instructions said if you put the picture up to your nose, cross your eyes a little bit, then slowly move away, you'll start to see the images. So here I am at Starbucks, staring, doing this, and what's interesting, no one came to help me. I looked so disturbed, no one seemed to care. And I, and I have it up against my face, and I'm pulling it away. And then there's one picture, uh, not this one, this is just an example. But look, look at the next picture. Because they tell you to look through the picture to see the image in the image. And you're like, okay, that's kind of weird. And then cross your eyes and wink twice. I don't know, it's weird. But I was looking at this picture, sitting in Starbucks, looking at this picture, began to pull it away, and then all of a sudden, it comes out at me. Three baby penguins. Look, here's where they are. Three baby penguins start coming. So I, I highlighted them for you. So I'm sitting at Starbucks. I'm looking like I'm in trouble, like I shouldn't have even driven there myself. Drawing baby penguins on a picture makes no sense. However, it, it, it makes sense for today. There's penguins hidden in there. And I'm, I'm sitting there, and I pull the computer away. When I got about 12 inches away, everything else faded to the background. These little baby penguins, pull, and I was like, oh. And I said that really loud. In Starbucks, for you. So that's, that, that's where I was with this. And then it was that moment I got up and left because I was so embarrassed. But look through the picture and you can see something different. Now, take a look at these, uh, this other one. There's, there's a, a camel hidden in here. I didn't believe it either. I'm not playing a joke on you. I didn't believe it either. And you guys are doing exactly what the first service did. Nobody was looking at me. Everyone was like, I looked out there and saw all these people staring, doing this, crossing their eyes. I wish I could take a picture of you from where I stand. Anyway, there's, there's a camel hidden in there. There's a camel in there. It's amazing. The next picture, 
And this was the one, I also did this at Starbucks, but a different Starbucks in shirts, not Cibolo, because I can't go back to that Starbucks anymore. But I, I pulled the computer away from my face. There's a wolf in here. I highlighted it for you. There's a wolf in there. Do you like my wolf? There's a wolf in there. How do you see what's right in front of you? Do you see just a bunch of green and white, a bunch of mess? Or have you trained your mind and your heart to follow your spirit and see something through the mess? I'm not good at this, personally. I have a, I have a difficult time getting rid of what's right in front of me sometimes because it needs such attention. It's, it's an issue that's right in front of your face. I, I am still learning and still training myself to follow my own sermon and listen to God's word and follow what Paul said to see something through it all, to, to see something in it and to praise through it. It's all about perspective. It's all about perspective. Now, we, I can look at something through the lenses of the perspective of fear and anxiety, or I can look at it through the perspective of praise. Paul could have seen what he was going through in the jail cell, locked up, 24-hour guard, never, feels like he's never going to get out of there. He could have seen that at face value and thought, this is not good. This is not good. My ministry's over. No one ever leaves Rome if they're a Christ follower. My ministry is over. What are they going to do to me? What's going to happen now? What's going to happen to all these leaders I put in place and these churches I was going to visit and these people that are counting on me? What's going to happen? I'm going to introduce you to a new translation of the Bible that most of us probably have memorized because you quote it all the time. And you're thinking, I don't, Landon, I don't really have a lot of scripture memorized, much less a brand new one. No, you might have this one memorized. It's called the BPV. The bad perspective version. And now, I'm going to show you Philippians 1, 12 through 13 in the BPV, how you and I would probably have written a letter to the Philippians from jail if we had been in jail. If Paul had, really, if Paul had had a really bad perspective, it would have sounded like this. Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me really sucks. God let me down. I'm overwhelmed with anxiety, depression, and hopelessness. Because of the hell I've been through, I'm quitting my small group and I'm never going back to church. Can anybody relate? You've been there, you felt those feelings before? Because of what I've went through, I don't need any of this, I don't need anybody else. You start to go Medea on everything and you just get everybody away, back up. We do the opposite of what the Bible tells us to do. When we, are, when we have a bad perspective, we behave as against what the Bible teaches. That will actually set you free. We do the opposite. Paul actually, though, in his situation, looked at it through the perspective of praise, and man, does it sound different. Now the perspective of praise in the actual Bible, I'm gonna read it to you, Philippians 1, 12 through 13. Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. He's in jail. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else. However many people are the everyone else, I don't know. It's a lot of people. It's become clear to the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am here and in chains 
for Christ. What a perspective. What a perspective. It's a perspective of praise. Paul was saying, I know that what I see right now is not favorable. See, the perspective of praise is not you pretending that all the bad stuff isn't happening. That's ridiculous. The perspective of praise is not telling you to ignore what's right in front of you. That's not it at all. The perspective of praise is a spiritual maturity to look through what's happening to see something else. And Paul is saying that what I see around me right now I know is not favorable. If God had asked me, I would not have chosen to be beaten and thrown in jail. Personal preference, however, here I am. While I'm here, I'm going to preach to all the palace guard and to everyone else. Now they all know that I'm here for Jesus, and even if they kill me, for me to live as Christ and to die as gain. What a perspective. That's hard, isn't it? Y'all are all sitting there thinking, I don't know if I could do that. I, and and I, I was feeling the same thing. I asked God multiple times, can I preach something else? Because now I'm accountable for all of this myself. Can, can I just preach about something like, like an Old Testament festival? It makes no sense. Can I preach about that? This is, this is, this is heart-wrenching. This is hard. But with God, all of this is absolutely doable and possible with the right perspective. How you see something is important. Paul was saying, I know what I see is an issue, but he'll never leave me. He'll never forsake me. He was saying things like, no weapon formed against me is going to prosper. I'm going to be okay. He was saying things like he wrote in Romans that all things are working for good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose. That's what he was saying in Philippians chapter 1 from his jail cell. Paul is saying things like, I see that really what has happened to me is important because it's helped advance the gospel in an area of the world that hadn't really gotten it yet. That's powerful. Paul's saying things like, in fact, for a long time, these Romans thought that I was the prisoner but what they didn't realize is that they were locking up some of the most influential Roman leaders with me for shifts of eight hours at a time so I could preach the gospel to them and they had to stand there and listen because they couldn't abandon their post. Who's the real prisoner now? What a perspective. Everyone say that with me. Say, it's all about perspective. Say it out loud. You can have a bad perspective in gloom and doom, or you can have a perspective of praise. When you switch to good perspective, you start to see God things in everything. Now, this wasn't the first time Paul was in prison. The dude's got a rap sheet. He's been in jail all over the place. He's got a record. Paul and Silas are headed to small group. The Bible says they're headed to a small place of prayer, small group. They're going to someone's house. They got the crock pot. They're heading over to small group. Then a riot breaks out. This is the book of Acts, chapter 16. This is before Paul gets thrown in jail in Rome. Acts chapter 16. The crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas, and the magistrates ordered Paul and Silas to be stripped naked and beaten with rods. That is not a verse for your refrigerator or your coffee mug. That would be weird. Now, I'm hoping that none of you are stripped naked and beaten this week and wrongfully accused and thrown in jail just because you went to small group. I'm hoping that doesn't happen to any of you. 
But what might happen to you is that you're stripped of your confidence, stripped of your peace, stripped of your joy. What might happen is that you'll be beaten down by discouragement, beaten down by doubt, and beaten down by worry. That might happen. Paul and Silas were serving God, then severely beaten and thrown into prison, bloody beaten, broken nose, black eyes, broken ribs, laying there naked, beaten and bloody on a cold prison floor. Prison back then was not like we see prison now. There were no mattresses. There were no toilets. There there was no outside playtime. There was no arts and crafts. There was none of that. There was, you're going to be in here until you rot. We may or may not feed you depending on if we feel like it that day. You were total property of the state. That's where Paul finds himself. They were wrongly accused, bloody and beaten. So what did they do? I was curious about that too, so I kept reading. What did Paul and Silas do? What they did was they had a worship night, which seems a little weird because we know that they're naked, bloody, and beaten. So these, all these naked people are having a worship night in jail. Beaten, bloody. I'm just, I'm trying to like get this scene in my head. I'm like, this is, I would not be wanting to sing, you are good, all the time, like naked, bloody, and broken noses? No. Like, how am I going to get out of here? It's, it's, it's hard to comprehend how somebody could be so heavenly minded that in the middle of all of that issue, they still sing. So what's interesting is maybe we can't relate to that prison scene, but we can relate to, I just found out my loved one has stage four cancer. Would y'all come over to our house tonight and let's have a worship night as a family? Can relate to that. You can relate to, hey brothers, I'm having a really hard time in my marriage. Can, can we all, like, can, can we just go fishing or play golf or just go hang out and can y'all pray for me? Can we sing? Can we worship? I just need God in the middle of this mess. There's people here and the issues you're facing are big and I'm not minimizing that at all. But don't forget to look at the whole picture. What's going wrong, yes, needs addressing. But don't forget to look at what is going right. Don't forget to look through something to see what might actually be there. How could they sing and have a worship night in the middle of that context? Maybe they looked at each other and Paul's like, hey, Silas, Silas. We're not dead. I mean, I was passed out. I don't know how long we've been like passed out, but dude, I just woke up. We're not dead. You look like hell, but we're not dead. You're you're alive. We're we're not done. We're not dead. Acts 16:25, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing to God, and other prisoners were listening to them. Notice they were praising God in the middle of the prison. In the middle of that issue, they were praising God. They weren't praising God when they got out. They were praising God before that happened. They were praising God in the middle of the issue. So they were praising God not for the what. A lot of times you and I, I know I do, I praise God when he comes through. 
Man, my God will provide my needs according to his riches and glory. I got that promotion. Man, I praise God when, when, when church is full and there's visitors everywhere and kids are going to camp and the, the, none of the church trailers are broken or have flat tires. Or, and I praise God when everything's going right. But when two out of three of our trailers got stolen last year and then 40% of your church comes back after COVID, Am I praising God now? Or am I praising God because everything felt like a parade and everything felt like exciting before? Do I praise God when things are hard? Do I only praise him when he comes through with the what? Paul and Silas were praising God for the who, not the what. They didn't know the what, but they knew the who. And if you don't know the who, when you're going through this stuff, You'll be chasing the what, and, you'll, and sometimes you won't get it, and then you blame the who because you didn't get the what you wanted. Y'all following me? They were praising God for his goodness. The guards made a big mistake by putting Paul and Silas together in the same jail cell because now they had a worship team. A very odd one, but they had a worship team. And... They started to sing. Let me tell you this. They started, there were people around them. Paul and Silas had each other. A real friend goes to jail with you. And Paul, Silas was in there with Paul. Didn't run away, went there with him. Let me tell you this truth. The enemy's job is to always isolate you. He wants you alone because he's a coward. The devil's a coward. That's why he comes to you at night with night terrors. Because he's a coward. That's why, that's why he tries to pick off your kids. That's why he goes after little kids, because he's a coward. And the enemy wants to isolate you because he, he doesn't want to try to pick you off with all your buddies around you. He's like a sniper. He waits till you get a little far behind, then he takes you out while he hides. The enemy wants to isolate you because you're easier to pick off alone. The best thing you can do when you are feeling the pressure of that prison Whatever that prison is for you right now, whatever issue you're going through, the best thing for you to do, and again, it's easier for me to say than for when Landon's alone and I'm doing this for myself, so I get it, I'm right there with you, but the best thing for you to do is to be around people of God that are singing and praising the who while you're in the what, while you're in the mess. Not isolating yourself, doing the opposite of what your flesh wants to do. Because your flesh wants to... To, to run, to flee, but doing the opposite, to be around other crazy people who are in the middle of pain and still sing. To be there. You have to, here's another kingdom truth, praise before the provision. Before you ever see it, even if it doesn't come, you're praising God for the who. Now, spoiler alert. During the middle of the night, during the middle of this praise and worship night in the middle of the prison, there's an earthquake, the doors open, and the chains come off everybody. That's pretty cool. And why do I tell you the ending of the story now? What happened to Paul and Silas in Acts happened in the timeline of his ministry before he ever went to Rome. So Paul had been in prison before and he had already seen God come through, which makes what he wrote in Philippians that much more powerful. 
Paul knew from his jail cell in Rome that God had the power to deliver him from that exact same problem. But God did not in Philippians. But Paul still offered God praise. Isn't that powerful? That brings so much more power to that verse in Philippians when he says always, always. Rejoice always. When you're in the middle of something pretty difficult and you're praising God, that's a deeper kind of praise. That's a deeper kind of singing. That's a, that's a deeper kind of, of, of something coming up from inside you. It's different. You, when you don't have the worship team and, and people around you and when it's not so loud in here that you can't hear yourself sing, when you're alone and it's quiet and you're, you're feeling it and you're crying, you've got, you feel like you've just got all this around your shoulders. When you're in the middle of that, what you do in that moment really matters. It's a deeper kind of praise. Praise him when he delivers you. Praise him when he doesn't deliver you. It's like the three Hebrew children that said, my God has the power to deliver me from you. But even if he doesn't, I'm not bowing down to your fake God. It's this, this kind of energy that says, I'm going to praise God for the who because I know he's good no matter what I see in front of me. See, prison or praise may, take, may not take the anxiety and depression away. It's not like a magic trick. But it will change your perspective. You'll begin to see that there's a purpose in that pain, that what you're going through is actually going to help others through what they're going through. You may not see it now, but what you're going through right now might actually be a ministry to someone else later because you're right now experiencing the grace of God. Acts 16, 25 through 26, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them, and suddenly there was a violent earthquake. The foundations of the prison were shaken, and at once all the prison doors' locks broke off and flew open, and everyone's chains came loose. Not just Paul and Silas, everyone. I'm visualizing this scene of the midnight prison, and Paul's saying, Silas, are you awake? I'm just thinking that since we've still got our breath, and that we know the truth is that our God is never gonna give up on us, why don't we give him some praise? Silas might say, let's do it, man. What do you wanna sing, Paul? And I just imagine that Paul would sing a song like, with, with truth in it that would say something like, he, he, he's the way maker. He's the miracle worker. He's a promise keeper. He's a, he's a light in my dark place. That's who he is. And even if I don't see it, he's working. And even if I don't feel it, he's working. How powerful is that? It's an amazing truth to know that in the middle of this pain, in the middle of this issue, in the middle of something that might, might has been going on in your life for quite some time, in the middle of all of that, we can unlock something powerful. And I believe that the key that unlocks your miracle is in the sound of your praise. 
Because you can take yourself to pretty negative places, can't you? Well, this has happened, and they said this, and how dare they, and if God was real, he wouldn't have let this happen, and, 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 and we, can, we can take ourselves down real fast. But the opposite can happen, too. In the middle of all the mess, naked, beaten, wrongfully accused, hurting, physically hurting, emotionally hurting, worried a little bit about the future, in the middle of all of that, even so, what's right in front of us is real. What's more real is that God has never stopped making a way for people when they're stuck. He's always been the way maker. So Paul writes in Philippians from his jail cell, rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say, rejoice. And then he goes on to talk about peace and, and, and that your heart and mind will be guarded in Christ Jesus. And honestly, that is my prayer for you today that your heart and mind are guarded by peace in Christ Jesus. And I know that he's a way maker no matter what you're feeling right now. Feelings will lie to you, won't they? No matter what you're feeling right now, he's still the way maker. He's still the promise keeper. And I just imagine that Paul is singing this song and other prisoners that are stuck in their issues now start to think a little higher than their pain. Because when you praise God in the middle of your prison, other people are affected every time. And people start to come out of their prison, come out of their pain, because you dared to believe God in the middle of your circumstance. And so I want us to, to right now exercise this muscle. I want us to exercise that even in the middle of what's going on in our life, in the middle of the pain, that you might even be thinking about right now. That thing that is an issue, that, that thing that keeps coming up in your mind, every day you think about it, every night you think about it, it gnaws at you, it's, it's getting to your soul now, it's getting to a soul level bitterness. That thing you're thinking of right now, right now we're, let's flex our muscle. Everyone go ahead and stand to your feet. Let's flex this muscle today. And let's begin to declare, and let's begin to proclaim that he is the way maker that he is the promise keeper, that he is the light in the darkness. And God, I give you praise, I give you glory today, that even in the middle of what I see, of what's harmful and what's hurting and the pain that I feel, that I've been backstabbed and wrongfully accused and all of these issues, in the middle of that, I'm still going to decide and to choose to give you praise in the middle of this moment because my God is good all the time. He's good all the time. So I give you this praise. Come on, with your, with all you've got, sing Waymaker. Sing it out to Him. Promise keeper, light in the darkness. From inside of you, declare it to Him. That is who you are. It doesn't have to be perfect. Just make it real. He's the Waymaker. Promise keeper, He's the promise keeper. In the middle of it, declare His name.
and what Even we feel. Even when I don't feel that you we'll work take your back seat to the truth stop. of God. You never stop working. You never Come stop. Come on, now sing way back. something so draining, even in the middle of the issues, even in the middle of being wrongfully accused, even middle in the middle of having to live out something that happened to us that we didn't ask for, in the middle of our pain, we still choose to declare that my God is good all the time, that he's never left me, he's never forsaken me, that he'll never leave me, that he's working all things out for my good, that my God has, has declared that no weapon formed against me will prosper. That the coward of the devil will not be able to pick me off because I refuse to isolate myself. I will join myself up with brothers and sisters in Christ and I will sing in the middle of my pain. God, you are the way maker. You are the miracle worker. You are the promise keeper. You are the light in the darkness. And God, even though I, everything I see around me is dark, I choose to look through the situation with the perspective of praise to begin to see the beauty on the other side of my pain. And God, I just ask for everybody here that's going through something, that while they're trying to look through it with the perspective of praise, that you will guard their hearts and minds in Christ Jesus with peace that they will not give up in the middle of the process, but they will stay in it. That they won't give up. That they won't give up on that marriage, that they won't give up on that child, that they won't give up on themselves, that they won't stop believing that you're the way maker. For everybody here, every head bowed and every eye closed, just to help kind of bring some focus to it. There are people in this room that have given up on a lot of things and God is asking you, to begin to praise, to get back to that place where you believe him and trust him over what you see and feel. 
And maybe there's some of us in this room that have never given Jesus our lives, have never made Jesus the Lord of our life. Today you can. We're gonna pray today, and I believe that God's gonna come down into your situation and your new perspective is going to release a miracle in your life and that you're going to start to see things change that haven't been changing for a long time. All because you changed your perspective. Everyone repeat after me. Say, Lord God, I give you my life. Forgive me of my sin. Forgive me for going my own way. Forgive me for being in control. I declare today that I'm receiving your grace. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for saving me. I now give up control to my new king, to my Lord and Savior, to Jesus Christ. Lord, would you fill my life with peace? Give me courage in the middle of my prison. Help me to see with the perspective of praise. So I declare it today that I'm full of grace, that I've been forgiven, that there's beauty on the other side of my pain, and that I'll never be the same. Never, never, never. In Jesus' name. Now give God the biggest, loudest praise you've given him all day. Come on. Thank you for listening to the Purpose Church Podcast. If God uses this message to impact your life, tell us your story by emailing mystory@thepurposechurch.com. Be sure to follow us on social media and check out our website at thepurposechurch.com to get connected and receive all the latest information.